Well, good morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, this is fun. I know it's cramped, uh, but this is awesome, and we are so glad uh, to have you guys with us. And, uh, and kiddos, we're glad that y'all are in here with us as well, and uh, everybody from infants in the back uh, to, uh, to our preschool, our grade school, and, uh, and then all the rest of us. Uh, and so we are so glad that you guys are here. Those of you who are guests with us, thank you so much for being here. It means a lot that you would, that you would come. Maybe your family from out of town. Uh, we're just glad that you're here. Um, and so thank you for being our special guest this morning. Uh, we truly hope that this is a, a really blessed Christmas season uh, for, uh, for all of you guys. So um, as we get started this morning, uh, kids, I've got a question for you. Can you think about a gift or a present, something that you wanted for Christmas, and you just had to have it? Like you were so excited about it. Can you think about it? Can you picture it? Is it something that you wanted this Christmas or something that you wanted a previous Christmas? Something previous? Okay. Did you get it? You didn't get it. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Let's start with a lot of sadness this morning. Um, so... Uh, okay, but most of us in the room can think about something that we just had to have, right? Maybe it was when you were a kid and you just like, oh, there was this one gift, I just got to have this. And then the next year usually it was something completely different. Oh, I just got to have that. And then the very next year or something. I know for me, what I looked, looked forward to as a kid was the JCPenney catalog, Christmas catalog coming out. Because I would just like, I mean, I would just open that sucker up, and I would just daydream and think and circle, and I want this, and I, you know, and like that was, that, that was, nowadays you don't have those anymore, now you just have Amazon, right? So you just, you can literally, it's like literally everything that you could ever want, and then the things that you didn't even know that you wanted, there's this new thing on the Amazon app, I'm not sure if you've seen it, where you click like these little videos, and it shows you items that like other people have discovered, and they're like, but top 10 Amazon finds and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there like watching this silly thing. Something that I didn't even know existed like a second before. Now suddenly I got to have it. And it's like there's this, there's this perpetual desire, longing desire for, for more and more things. And it seems to show itself a lot at Christmas time. Right when we're giving gifts to each other, and giving gifts is so fun. It's such a, it's something that we really love to do as a family. It's something we that we've really um, grown to to love. But the problem is this: the problem is that when we get surrounded by so much stuff and so much consuming, it without realizing it, it does something to our heart. Without it, it, it sometimes it's subtle, but these things begin to take. Um, and, and capture the desires and the affections of our, of our heart. And it doesn't, it's not always uh, overly obvious, but then sometimes it is. Uh, and we usually can tell when you want something and you don't get it, and how you feel afterwards. So usually that's a really good indicator of something that's going on inside of, of, our, of our hearts. When we become adults, the toy chasing doesn't stop. The toys just get more expensive. And the things just, uh, they, 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 you know, they change in exactly what, what maybe it is. But the chasing doesn't stop. And we could put the blame, if we wanted to, on consumerism and, you know, the malls and, the, and Amazon, if we wanted to. 
But if we're honest, the, the, the reality is that the issue actually lies in here, deep inside of the human heart. The, my message this morning, and it's going to be shorter this morning as, we, as we, uh, are, uh, we have everybody in the room, and I'm not trying to go long, but I do have something that the Lord has placed in my heart that I want us to consider this morning. Um, and, that is, and that is this, that Christmas is about worship. Christmas is about worship. And here's what I mean by that. This Christmas season, every single one of us is going to worship. We're going to worship something. The question is, what is it that we are worshiping? When I look at the Christmas story, this week I was reading through it, and I was struck by something that was really, really neat. So in Luke chapter, well actually beginning in the Gospel of Luke, in the first chapter, um, we get a glimpse and an invitation into the first Christmas Uh, the first Christmas story. And as I was reading through it, I was struck by something. I I was struck by, when I looked at all the characters of Christmas, what every single one of them was doing. All right, so follow with me just for a moment. So in Luke chapter 1, we are introduced to a young girl named Mary, right? And in her world, quite literally got just flipped upside down in a moment when an angel from heaven came down to her and spoke to her and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And can you imagine this, this young Mary thinking, this is impossible. Like, Lord, what are you talking about? And he's like, actually, yes, you're right. It is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And you will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So Mary... Is in, has this encounter, the very first encounter that we see. But here's what's incredible. When you, the first thing that you see about Mary is that she falls in worship. So look at Luke chapter 1, just for a moment. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. This is the response that pours out of the heart of Mary this first Christmas. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So what is Mary doing this very first Christmas? She's worshiping. She's worshiping her Savior. Then you fast forward to chapter 2, and we have angels from heaven that come down to meet some shepherds, right? And so they come down to proclaim that the, the promised Messiah is coming. And he has come, and he's a little baby lying in a manger. And you see the angels that as they give this testimony, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And the angels begin to declare, and suddenly there was this, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what are the angels doing? The angels are worshiping. They've gathered together, and so the, the, the worship of God is echoing throughout the heavens. So Mary is worshiping. The angels are worshiping. Then you get to the shepherds. As the shepherds discover that this is the true, look at verse 16. It says, And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard and had been told to them. What are the shepherds doing? They're worshiping Jesus. You fast forward a little bit more in this chapter, and we encounter this man named Simeon in the temple. The Simeon is a man who's been sitting there and longing and waiting for the coming of the Messiah. In fact, he had been told that he wouldn't die until he got to see face-to-face the Lord's Messiah. As they bring Jesus into the temple, Simeon lays his eyes on this baby Jesus. It says, verse 28, And he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. You see Simeon. What's he doing on this first Christmas? He's worshiping. We see another story. We see Anna just a few, more, a few moments later. She's also in the temple worshiping and praising Jesus. And then in the book of Matthew, sometime later, we see wise men who come to beat baby Jesus. And what do they do? They fall on their knees in worship of this baby king, Jesus. Here's my point this morning. Christmas is clearly about worship. It's clearly about worship. The question is for us in this season, are our hearts led to worship at Christmas? Or listen, are our hearts led to worship Christmas? I want you to think about that just for a moment. Because the tendency of our hearts so often is to worship Christmas instead of Christ. The tendency of our heart is, is, to, is to worship gifts instead of the giver of those gifts. The tendency in every human heart is to worship a season and not the Savior. So the challenge that I want to give us this morning is this. What are we worshiping this Christmas? And you might say, Jared, wh- wh- like, why, are you, why are you going there this morning? Like, what, first of all, don't ruin my Christmas, Jared. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you starting with, with this? Why would you even say that some people worship Christmas? Here's how I know that so many people worship Christmas. Have you ever heard of the Christmas blues or the after Christmas blues? Anybody ever heard of that before? Um, psychologists have been studying this phenomenon for decades. And here's what happens. After a prolonged season of, of joy and laughter and, and cookies and baking and parties and gifts and all this thing, there's this post-holiday letdown that they've given a name for. They actually call it, um, they now call it the post-holiday syndrome. Post-holiday syndrome. It's, a, it's an actual thing that m- many people struggle with. And here's what's happening. After all the hustle and bustle of Christmas, after all the joy and all the things that happen, there's this massive letdown at the end of it. And so sociologists and psychologists are saying, trying to figure out what's going on, what's happening here, why is this happening, what's, what's leading to all of these things. In fact, they, they released a study in a popular psychology journal. They said this, 64% of Americans have what they call post-holiday syndrome or post-holiday depression. And in the midst of all their study 
and all they were discovering that these that people were like leaving the holiday season feeling empty and sad and they're like why is this happening what's the problem here was their conclusion listen to this their conclusion from a secular psychology journal was this is that people are who are experiencing this post-holiday syndrome that they were clinging to a memory or a hope or an expectation that the Christmas season did not deliver. Think about that for a moment. They were clinging to something in the season that the season did not deliver, and so they were left empty and sad. Now listen, I think they have nailed it. Why? Because they're looking into a season what can't be found there. They're looking for hope and for joy and for all, the, all these things in, in, in gifts and celebrations and gatherings of family. And here's the problem, church family, that those things were never meant to satisfy the human heart. And so we can, we can gather, and maybe, maybe for a season we can like try to, ref- it's, it's fun for a season. Another thing that they found was that during the Christmas season, like hospitalizations and suicide attempts, all those things, those things dropped. And then immediately afterward, they skyrocketed. Why? Because they were looking for hope where hope can never be found. And so fundamentally, the reason is because we have a, we have a heart issue. We have a, we have a worship issue. And so many times we're worshiping the wrong thing. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, when loss of any temporal enjoyment casts us into excessive despondency and dejection, it's evident that what we have lost was the object of our inordinate love. The most innocent attachments cease to be innocent when they press too strongly on us. To cleave to any created object, to look for happiness from it, is to make an idol of it, and to set it up in God's place. So idolatry then is not just a little decoration that you put on a shelf. It's something that happens inside of our hearts, right? It's when anything in our life usurps the position that God alone deserves on the throne of our heart. And so, so many people are left empty because, listen, Christmas is a fun season. It's a terrible God. And so many people look to that and they're left empty and sad because the throne of our heart was only ever meant to be filled by one person. In 1952, a group of missionaries sold everything that they had in America and they moved to Ecuador. You probably know the story. We've talked about it here before, the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Along with four other missionary families, they moved to take the gospel to a savage group of Indians, the Aka Indians in Ecuador, that were completely unengaged with the gospel. Now, now listen, anybody who would try to make contact with this tribe was, was killed. Like they didn't, there was, no, um, there was no contact being made with them, and yet their hearts burned for this people group. Desire to see them come to know Jesus. And so listen, in 1952, they moved and began to work towards taking the gospel to this, to this people group. Fast forward, 
December 1955, while everybody else in the world was, was worried about Christmas and gifts and festivities and holiday celebrations and consumed in the craziness of Christmas. These families were surrounded in this, this December 1955 around their kitchen table and they were praying and they were weeping over the lostness of this village. And they were captivated so captivated by the love of Jesus and the desire to make him known that nothing else mattered to them. The holidays didn't matter. The decorations didn't matter. The gifts didn't matter. Nothing mattered except for Christ and his gospel and it going forward to those who had never heard it. And they were willing to give everything for that. December 1955, Christmas time, one of the missionaries, Nate Saint, wrote this in his journal. He said, as we have a high old time this Christmas, may we know Christ, may we who know Christ hear the cry of the damned as they hurtle headlong into a Christless night without ever a chance. May we be moved with compassion as our Lord was. May we shed tears of repentance for those who we have failed to bring out of darkness. Beyond the smiling scenes of Bethlehem, may we see the crushing agony of Golgotha. May God give us a new vision of his, of his will concerning the lost and our responsibility. If God would grant us the vision, the word sacrifice would disappear from our lips and thoughts. We would hate the things that now seem so dear to us. Our lives would suddenly be too short. We would despise the time-robbing distractions and charge the enemy with all our energies in the name of Christ. Christmas time, 1955. Two, just several weeks later after this was written, these men would make their very first contact with this group as they began to share the gospel and make inroads to the gospel. And these men that day were killed, speared to death when they made that first contact. But that's not the end of the story. You see, that was just the beginning of what God was doing miraculously to the world's astonishment, the women, the, the wives, stayed and began to reach out to the very people who had killed their husbands. The very people who had speared them, they began to take the love of Jesus to them. In the, the time that passed, the, every single one of the men who were involved in the murder of these missionaries came to know Jesus as a result of the gospel going forward in that, in that village. Every single one of them. And then countless more throughout the village. But it was everybody here that was like, what are you, what are you doing? Why would y'all do that? Why would you give up everything that you could have here in the States to go to people who you've never met before? And their answer was, oh, that, that's easy. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. The only reason we have breath in our lungs is because of Jesus. So why would we do anything else? Why would we do anything else? One year later, Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book called Through the Gates of Splendor. And this is, this is what she said. She said, we have proved beyond any doubt that Jesus means what he says. His grace is sufficient. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We pray that if anyone anywhere is fearing that the cost of discipleship is too great, that they may be given to glimpse the treasure in heaven promised to all who forsake their life here. 
Here's what they were saying. That Christmas they were saying, listen, all that matters is Jesus. The gifts don't matter. The parties don't matter. The decorations don't matter. It's all about Jesus. And so their worship was centered on him, and they gave their lives for it. Listen, this Christmas, what, is, what captivates our heart? What is it? What is it that is captivating our hearts and our thoughts right now in this moment? And telling you, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to ruin your Christmas. I just want to make sure you're not worshiping it. Because there is only one who is worthy of our worship. And there is only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart. It's not found in a gift. It's not found in a box. It's not found in a store. It's not found in decoration. It's not found in a tradition. It's not found in a meal around with your family. It's only ever found in Jesus. And so when we celebrate Jesus this Christmas, we lift high the only one, the only hope of the world. It's only found in him. And if we search for it anywhere else, then we'll always be left empty. It's only found in Jesus. And so Jesus came as a baby to be the savior of the world. He didn't come as a therapist for sad people. He came as a savior for broken people. And that's Jesus. And that's who we worship this Christmas. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? Lord, would you grip our hearts so that the distractions of the season would fade away and so that we could truly reflect on who you are and why you came and the way in which you came. So Lord Jesus, would you stir our hearts for you? Would you strip away the idols in our heart that seek to take and steal your position in our heart? Lord, in the quiet of this moment on Christmas Eve, would we truly understand, maybe for the first time, what Christmas means and what it's about? About a God in heaven who loved people so much that he demonstrated his love, that he sent Jesus to be born as a baby, that he would live life on earth, that he would then go to the cross, taking and bearing the sins of man on himself, and that he would die for every one of them. And then three days later, gloriously, victoriously, Jesus would rise again and offers hope and salvation to anyone and everyone who places their faith in him. The story of Christmas. So Lord Jesus, don't let us forget. Would you work in every single one of our hearts as only you can in Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to stay in an attitude of prayer for a moment. We're, we're almost done here, and then we're going to have a special time of candle. Parents, teenagers, I want you to listen. Parents, teenagers, I want you to listen just for a moment. As you bow your heart before the Lord, I want you just to take a moment just to examine your own heart. Just examine your own heart. It doesn't matter the person next to you. It doesn't matter the person, the people around you. It matters between you 
in the God who created you. And maybe this Christmas you need to say, Lord, I need you to reorder some things in my heart. I've been seeking things in all the wrong places. I've been searching for meaning and happiness in places where it can't be found. And so maybe right now this time is for you to seek after the Lord, to ask him. And maybe for you this morning, you're here and you just don't know Jesus. Maybe today, this Christmas Eve, is about your encounter with Jesus. And maybe right now it's time for you to, for the first time, confess your need of a Savior. Do you know Him as Savior? Has there been a moment in your life where you have confessed your sin and and in faith and repentance cast yourself at the foot of the cross? If not, you can do that right now. You see, you're the reason why Jesus came. When you look at all of the manger scenes and you look at all the Christmas scenes that depict a baby in a manger, that baby came in a manger for you. Don't miss that. So that you and me, separated from God because of our sin, could be reunited to Him by faith and belief in Him alone. So right now, with nobody looking around, maybe that's you this morning, and you say, uh, Pastor Jared, I, I think that's me this morning, and I, I just want you to pray for me, because I, I, I don't know Jesus. Would you, just, would, you, would you just slip your hand up to me just so I could know? I'm, I'll be praying for you. Just say, I think that's me. This morning, this Christmas, I know that I need Jesus. Slip your hand up at me and just say, hey, that's me. I need Jesus. For those of you this morning, I want you to know that right now in the quiet of your own heart, you can cry out to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. And my sin has separated me from you. And right now, I, I, I believe. I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place for my sin. And right now, the best I know how, I confess, I repent, I believe. Would you make me your child? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to transition in just a moment, but I want you to know that if that's you this morning, and you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, to know Jesus, to be forgiven of your sins, I would love to talk to you before you leave today. Like, just take a few moments just to say, hey, can, can I chat with you for a minute? Can I talk about that for a moment? I, I would love to talk to you. There's others that would love to pray with you if you have a, a need on your heart. Um, that's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church family. And so if that's you, and then if, if it's you this, this Christmas that where you've, you just need to reorder some things in your heart, please don't leave today until you've had that moment to have that special time, that quiet time before, between you and the Lord as you pour out your heart to Him.
Well, we get to transition right now to a, to a fun thing that we've, we've done for several years. Um, and it, it's very possible that we have run out of all the, of the candles. So if you didn't get one, oh, we got some more. All right, if you didn't get one, would you slip up your hand because we're going to have somebody bring you one. I think there's a few people who didn't get it. It's okay. Just raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Um, we'll uh, we'll get you a, a candle, Pastor Heath. Where you are? You um, all right? Good deal. Um, so in a moment, we're going to dim the lights, um, and we're going to flood this room with candlelight. And it's fun, and it's a neat tradition, but I love the picture that it displays for us. Because the scripture tells us that the people who were living and dwelling in darkness have seen a great, what? Light. And so all that the Old Testament was talking about, this Messiah, is all fulfilled in this little baby Jesus, the light of the world come down to earth. And I love this picture that, that the light of Jesus Christ cannot be quenched, it cannot be covered, and it spreads wherever it goes. And it penetrates the darkness with his perfect light. And so as we're about to sing together in a moment, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going we're gonna to light these candles. Um, and to do that, we're going to need a lighter. So, um, if, if you will grab one for us in the... Nope, we got one right here. Thank you, Josh. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start on this side, in this side, and we're going to let it just kind of work away through the aisles, and it's going to work its way towards the back. Um, but before we do, I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to um, we're gonna enjoy this, this time together. Well, Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for you. It's you that we celebrate right now. You are the light of the world. And Lord, as you have come into the world, as you have come into to shine your light in a people that were dwelling in darkness, and in the very same way, Lord, that you stepped into the darkness of my own heart. And so I thank you, Lord, for your great salvation, for your mercy that you have poured out on us. So this Christmas, Jesus, we don't worship gifts, we don't worship parties, we don't worship decorations or celebrations, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.